Good morning. You're on the radio with attorney Vincent Davis. And this get, this show is Get Your Kids Back Now, Fight CPS and Win. Uh, today we have a packed schedule. We have several special guests. Uh, and at the 8.30 hour, attorney Stephanie Davis will be joining us. Um, she'll be joining us and we will uh, be getting some tips from her with respect to handling your juvenile dependency case in the, in the courtroom. Um, the first thing that I want to talk about is um, the three things that you need to know if you have a juvenile dependency case. The first thing that you must know is that you must get experienced and expert legal help. Work with your court-appointed attorney or your private attorney. Um, do not try to do these cases on your own. You can always call another attorney and get a second opinion. The second thing that you must know is you must get the necessary information you need to help yourself and to help your attorney. Um, that can be done by talking to your attorney. It, you can download our free ebook at our website, and you can always meet with your attorney and strategize before any court hearing that you have. So don't forget, download the ebook. Um, you can also come to our uh, February 27th webinar, which is in the city of Arcadia. And you can listen to this show every week at, at the 8 a.m. And you can go on our website and listen to all of the past shows. The next thing that you can do is you can vote. You can register to vote. You want to make sure that we family-friendly judges and that we elect family-friendly legislators. We can make changes in the law. This morning, before the show, I Googled, and Google knows all, I Googled uh, elections in Los Angeles County, and you can do the same for your county or your city. I came up with a website, www.lavote.net. LAVote.net. It's the website for the Los Angeles County Registrar and Recorder who handles and administrates all the elections. At that website, there's a wealth of information. You can even register to vote. So do me a favor, if you're listening to this program, go to your local website and make arrangements to register today because elections are coming up. New judges need to be elected. New legislators need to be elected and we are going to make a difference in these upcoming elections. The first thing I'm gonna to do today is, uh, we've got a lot of people in the cube waiting to talk to us this morning, so I'm gonna take some calls first this morning. Uh, the first call I'm going to take is someone, someone with an area code of 469, ending in 14. Good morning, you're on with attorney Vince Davis. Good morning. Hello. Okay, that person uh, apparently is not ready to talk to us. The next person I'm going to talk to is area code 661 and ending in two. Good morning, you're on with attorney Vince Davis. 
Hello? Hello. You're on with Attorney Vince Davis. What's your first name? Uh, Dewey. Billy, good morning. Did you have a question or did you want to share a story with us? Yeah, no, I want to share a story. Um, I had, I'm actually, my uh, parental rights were terminated um, like approximately four weeks ago. And um, I just, I, I need, I need some, some guidance because I, I really feel that I was railroaded as far as um, early on in, in the case, um, they opened up three sexual abuse allegations um, against me towards my daughter. They were all closed, but they still took my visits away. Well, this is the first thing that you can do. Um, if it's only been four weeks from the from the date they terminated your parental rights, you must file a notice of appeal. Has anybody okay. explained that to you? Has anybody explained no. that to you? Okay. No. So you could, what uh, what county was your case in? Uh, uh, LA County in Monterey Park. Okay, so. You can just you can go online and Google. First of all, you should talk to your attorney. If you had a private or a court-appointed attorney, talk to him or her, send him or her an email, and say, hey, you want to appeal this. They should send you the form. If you don't get the form you, from your attorney, you can go to the clerk's office on the second floor in Monterey Park and get the form for filing a notice of appeal. Have your attorney help you fill it out. All right? You will okay. be... If you can't afford a private attorney to do your appeal, um, the state of California will appoint you a, a an appellate attorney. And generally speaking, um, uh, because I used to be one of those court attorneys, generally very good attorneys. So um, I think you will get uh, good representation on your appeal. Um, if you, as a last resort, if you can't find it, you perform or can't go down there, you could Google um, California Juvenile Court uh, Notice of Appeal, something like that. The, okay. the form will populate and come up and you can, you know, print it out and fill it out. Uh, but before you file it, make sure you get your attorney to review the form, okay, to make sure that it's filled out correctly. And you need to do that uh, within 60 days of the last court date. You said it's already been four weeks, so I wouldn't wait any longer, and I'd get right on that today. Okay. All right. I hope that uh, answer helps you, uh, Billy, with your question, and thank you for calling in. Thank you. Okay. Um, I'm going to take another call. It's area code 415, and we're ending in number 58. Good morning. You're on the radio with Attorney Vincent Davis. Good morning. Um, thank you for your show. Um, I have a few questions. Um, I did talk to you. I have a lot of questions. I'm sure I cannot ask all of them on your show, and maybe I'll contact you later. Um, but I have a few. In, uh, in general, whole situation happened because I was triggered on disability and very exhausted. Um and we were supposed to fly uh, to another country with my children to stay with family and me to regain health. And just two days before a flight, my children were taken away. So now, um, CPS saying they don't care about my health. They want I get up, 
get a stable housing, you know, and do everything I supposed to do. And uh, maybe it's a strange question, but um, so in this country, it's absolutely is not taken in consideration that person, if can get sick, they uh, need to restore their health uh, and get back to care to children. Um, even though a lot of doctors provide the note that I'm, even with my health issues, I'm still safe for children. Um, I'm thrown to many, many things, of course. And I'm wondering, so if you got sick, they will just take your children away unless you uh, actually go get a job, even though you sick, get uh, apartment, stable housing, etc. Well, let me answer that question for you. Um, if you are sick and uh, the social worker should not take your children away unless they might, if it interferes with you safely caring for your children, but in the state of California, before doing that, they are supposed to offer you what they call services to make sure or to allow the children to stay with you so that the children aren't taken away while you recover from your uh, sickness or your illness. Also, I want to tell you that um, your children, if they were taken away from you, they should be placed with relatives or close family friends. Was that done in your case? Uh, my... Uh... My relatives are all in different countries. I do not have relatives here in this country, so they were placed in foster care. And um, I now I found a place in a different county, near, actually close by, and I was told by a CPS worker I could move anywhere in L.A. And uh, just now they're saying that me moving to another county... Um, it's going to be hard for the case. It might delay whole case. Um, and now they didn't offer me any services to uh, keep children at home. But now case has already moved on, and I don't know if I can anyhow bring it up. It's already passed detention. The case okay. is uh, far, well. far further. So um, can they actually delay uh, the case seriously because me moving to another county, even though it's county real close to the original county where now cases uh, open. And I want to tell you two things. Number one, even if you have relatives that are out of the country, your children can be placed there. So write this down. I want you to tell your social worker or tell your lawyer to investigate the possibility of something called an international ICPC. ICPC stands for the uh, Interstate Compact for the Placement of Children. It generally means placing children in other states. Now, there's an intrastate compact where if you move from one county to another in California, but there's also the international ICPC if you want the children placed outside of the country. And um, a lot of countries, most countries, including us, are... Um, members of what's called the Hague Convention. It's an international treaty. And part of the Hague takes care of placement of children in other countries. 
A lot of social workers don't like to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's something that you and you can ask your attorney and your social worker to take care of that. The last thing I wanted to tell you is you have the right to move anywhere you want. Okay? So if you want to move to another county, you can do that. Your case, your juvenile case can be transferred to another county um, if you move. So you should investigate that. You should investigate that with your social worker and with your attorney. By the way, what county are you in? Uh, I am in Solano County, and the county where I want to move, I actually don't know what the name of the county. Um, okay. Well, don't forget to talk to your attorney about that. And if you have any further, if you have any further questions, I welcome you to give me a call at my office. Uh, mm-hmm. either later today or next week, and I can answer more questions for you in a lot more detail. But I want to thank you for calling us this morning. Question about international transfer. Would it delay my uh, procedure here, or they will still have to do everything here? And if uh, it will be faster to give me my children back here, they'll give it back here. Or if I request international transfer, they will delay everything else and will just start working on international transfer. Okay, that's a very good question. It will not delay. It is not supposed to delay your case at all. It just starts a second part of your case running parallel and at the same time as your regular case. Again, thank you for calling in this morning. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. All right. I'm going to take another call. The area code is 818 and in then 1-3. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I I had scheduled a CFT meeting at... For next week, and I told the social worker that I wanted my attorney to attend the meeting. So the social worker asked me if my attorney had an investigative social worker. I don't understand what that means. Okay. So what county are you in? Okay. And you have a court-appointed attorney, correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay. So let me tell you what that means. The court-appointed attorney firms in Los Angeles have a person who is designated to work with that firm who is a social worker, and they help your court-appointed attorney uh, prepare and discover things on your case, and they are referred to as investigative social workers. So if you have a court-appointed attorney from Los Angeles from one of the three what they call ladle firms, you will have an investigative social worker. Now, you may not know that. Your attorney may not have mentioned it to you, but you can ask your attorney about that, and he or she will, I'm sure, uh, give you that information and tell you how that investigative social worker uh, can help you. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. I have another question. Um, In regards to um, cooking social workers, the judge is not allowed to change the social worker. But in regards to switching attorneys, why a person asks for permission from the judge to switch a court-appointed attorney? 
Okay, so you want to go from one court-appointed attorney to another? Um, or do you want to go from a court-appointed attorney to a private attorney? To a private attorney. That would ideally be the best thing. Okay. It's my opinion that if you have um, a private attorney who satisfies the experience requirements for juvenile dependency court, you probably do not need the judge's permission. All you need is something called a California substitution of attorney form. And uh, it's a very, you know, it's a one-page form that you, your current attorney, and your new attorney uh, sign, and then you just file it with the court. The one thing you want to make sure that uh, when you do this is that the new attorney has enough time to prepare for the next hearing. So, for example, um, a lot of people come to me and they want me to substitute in a case, and uh, it's, you know, it's Friday, and on Monday they have their hearing. Now, if it's not a trial, I can do that very simply. But if it is a trial, that's going to be a lot harder. Um, in rare cases, I can still do it, but in many cases, I can't get prepared for a trial over Saturday and Sunday. And to make it even, to give you even a more extreme example, someone comes to me on Monday and says, hey, I want you to do my trial on Tuesday. Uh, that's not a good idea for the client nor for the private attorney. So you want to make sure you give your private attorney uh, enough time to substitute in and get prepared for the case. I want to thank you for your call today. Um, please uh, listen in next week and the rest of today. And uh, if you have any further questions, give me a call. Uh, at my office either today or, or later on next week. Thank you again. Thank you, and thank you, everyone, for sharing your stories. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to take another call. The calls are backing up here. Um, we're going to area code 562, and the uh, telephone number ends in 97. Again, that's 562 uh, Good morning. Good, morning. On, good morning. You're on with Attorney Vince Davis. What's your first name? My name is Helena, and I have a story to tell, more, more than questions. I don't have too many questions, but I do have a story um, that I would like to tell. Sure. Um, I, uh, I became a foster mom to a, uh, a newborn. Uh, a friend of a friend needed assistance until she got on her feet, and I was asked by the family to take care of a child when she was born because social services was going to take the child after, right after the birth. And so I became a foster mom for 14 months, and everything was getting ready for me to adopt because the foster mom and foster dad, their rights were going to be terminated, and I was going to adopt this beautiful little girl that I had since she was two weeks old, and she was beautiful, beautiful baby. For 14 months, I took care of her. And all of a sudden, two weeks, within two weeks, it, was, it felt like a tornado. This happened, that happened. Where, where did it come from? I have no idea. It was a blast, and it was just so fast. They came in, they, they said this and this, and uh, they were lies. And within two weeks, 
my child was gone. And I was shocked. I was devastated. I cared for that baby when she was an infant. She was walking at a young age. And she was very smart and she was beautiful and she was friendly. And when they took her that day, I could still picture it in my mind. It was such a surprise. And I even made a complaint to the state. I complained to this one and that one at CPS. But the bottom line is they have a job to do. And they don't care about our rights. They don't care about how the child feels. They don't care about these children that, that leave somebody that is either their mom or, for me, their foster mom. All of a sudden, they're, they're taken away, and they are devastated. They are, they are destroyed because all that CPS cares about is their job, and it just frustrates me to death to hear these stories from people that have to suffer because of this. It's just not fair. Um, and right. I, I, thank, I thank Attorney Davis for helping me so much. Um, and we're, we're, we are working together on this, and um, hopefully things will change. However, uh, only, only God can show me the way. So um, um, I don't know um, if you have any questions for me, Attorney Davis. I- well, I do, and I thank you for calling in and sharing your story with you. I, I would ask you to do a favor, as I asked all the listeners earlier. Um, make sure that you are registered to vote. If you're not, go to lavote.net and join us in the upcoming elections to make changes in terms of changing laws, in terms of um, electing family-friendly judges, and uh, getting making sure that uh, CPS workers don't have the power to uh, hurt people and hurt children. Would you do that for me? I will do that. I also want to, I just don't, I'm just so surprised on how, how much authority they have in telling the judge, oh, sign this because this reason, whatever reasons they are, they sign it off and then they're able to take the child away. What gives these social workers the ability to do that. They, they're, they're just, some of them don't even have children. <laughs> it's just a job and it just, I, 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 I want to change the voting system and I hope that we can do that because um, the way that the things are now, I mean, that's, it's not good. I mean, people are just caring about their jobs and not caring about what really CPS means. It means protecting the children. Children that are in bad situations, not children that need some help, minor help, or people that might need minor help. It's um, devastating on how they have that much authority and uh, that much pull to um, get the judge to sign that form. Okay, time to take the child. You know what? Thank you for calling and sharing with us. I agree with you 100%. And don't forget to register to vote. Okay. Thank you so much, Attorney Davis. Have a good day. You too. Okay. We're going to take uh, another call. Um, I'm going to take a call with area code 818 and ending in the number 4.
Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Good morning. Hello? Hi, you're on the radio with Attorney Vincent Davis. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Okay, great. Hi there, how are you? I'm doing fine. Um, yes, I was um I calling on your radio show. I would like to talk a little bit about my experience that I've had. Um Go ahead. With, the department, with the department. And I can't really hear you. What county are you in? Oh, I'm in Los Angeles County. Okay. Go ahead and share your story. Okay. Um, well, I I have two children, and I have always considered myself a very good mother. I have always been very close with my children and thought I was doing the right thing. The department had come to me with some situations that they they believed I was having. And since they've come into my life, um, I've lost my children, and I've been t- interrogated left and right on how I am as a mother, um, what I need to do in order to have my children, to keep my children, if I will get my children back. Um, whether or not I agree with their ways that they do things, you really don't have a choice, it seems like, because even if they're wrong, you just have to keep following everything they say if you don't want to lose your children. And um, I am doing everything that's been said that I have to do from the court. I'm following them even though I don't agree with what has happened. And it feels like every day doesn't get closer. So it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to end. And it's just a scariest feeling knowing that your children are in the hands of the department. So I don't know if that the long story short, but it's been the worst experience that a mother could ever have and her children. And I just know that from here on out, you have to, I have to just only focus on my boys and know that whatever it takes to get them back, I'm going to do. But it's something that I will never experience again in my lifetime. Well, thank you for sharing with us. Um, don't, Don't give up. You will get your children back. I'm sure of it. Um, are you registered to vote? Um, I don't vote. I have not. Okay. Did you hear earlier when I'm uh, when I spoke to people and in, in the introduction, uh, one of the ways to change things is to vote, to change the laws, to get family-friendly judges, and uh, to hold uh, CPS and DCFS workers accountable. So please do me. Go to lavote.net and register to vote today and join us in the future. We are going to make a difference as a group, not only in Los Angeles County, but all over the state of California. Absolutely, I will. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for hearing me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. I'm going to take another call. Um, The area code is 760 and it ends in two fives. Good morning. You're on the radio with Attorney Vince Davis. Good morning, Attorney Davis. How are you doing? Good. Did you have a question for us today, or did you want to uh, share a story? Uh, I would like to share a story. 
My name is uh, Devin, and I'm out of uh, San Bernardino County. And my my child was taken from me, and I believe, around uh, September, the 1st of September, by San Bernardino County CFS. Uh, it's been an ongoing false allegation case for me, false reports, reported, reported, all of them found unfounded. Um I'm in a very bad family law situation with the ex, and uh, so she continuously reports the false allegations of CPS. So this time, the SSP worker, uh, social service practitioner, came to my daughter's school, where she is in uh, a uh, kinder care institution, which is for toddlers. And they took my daughter from the school uh, under a false report, and they try to substantiate it. Uh, after everything had happened, and even though they had realized it was a false report, at the time they should have released my daughter from CFS, they still chose to hold her. And what I would like to share with everybody is I worked in this field as an independent contractor uh, with Riverside County. As a certification analyst, so I'm familiar with the rules and regulations of CPS in the county, San Bernardino included. And it's just amazing that I hear the people's stories on your show. I talk to parents, foster parents, uh, biological parents, and they're all afraid of CPS or CFS. Um, they don't know what they're going to do. They all will tell you, you know, they've been lied upon or they've been set up a frame like I feel I have. And um, the only advice I could give anybody is to talk to somebody like you and try to get their case uh, situated because now that I do have my daughter back, um, the emotional abuse she suffered, uh, the big building she calls it uh, from in San Bernardino, the building where CFS is, she's scared of it. Uh, she refers to CPS to CFS as strangers. She has nightmares at night. Um, she has the perfect little life, like most kids do, or close to it at home, and they're comfortable. And then once they're stripped away, especially at the age of two or three, or, you know, younger or even older, it doesn't matter, they're going to suffer mental and emotional abuse. And uh, those are things that are considered by the court, but not to no re high regard. And the fact that... uh the, the WIC code will allow the CFS officers to go in the court and uh, put anything they want in the court record, and it's okay. Uh, those things need to be changed, and as you said, we need to vote and make the, the right changes to that. Well, thank you for sharing your story. You know, I wanted to know, um, based upon those false allegations, that were made against you, have you thought about uh, perhaps suing the social worker and the county of San Bernardino in a civil rights case? Absolutely. There's uh, a lawsuit pending right now, and uh, you can do it, people can do it. And I will say talk to somebody with experience like you and uh, your law firm, and move forward and don't be afraid. Um, the whole time I was dealing with CFS, uh, they tried to bully me. Uh, 
I was even told that I'm not going to get my daughter back at one point. Um, it's the worst feeling in the world, especially when you know you're innocent and you haven't done anything. Um, we are all referred to parenting courses and counseling. And so as I'm sitting in the room with other parents, I'm hearing their stories, and some of them had maybe a reason why their kids should have been taken, some of them not. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you, you say these are pretty much all good people. Or even if they did have a problem, it can be worked out. So um, just don't be afraid of them. Most of the people were afraid of them, and they know this. Um, just stand up for your rights and be there for your kids. Well, thank you for calling in this morning and sharing your story with us. Thank you, Mr. Dad. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, we're at the 8.30 hour, and I am going to bring on a special guest that we have, Attorney Stephanie Marie Davis. She is an expert in juvenile dependency law and juvenile delinquency law. Um, For approximately 16 or 17 years, she sat as a judge pro tem, that's a temporary judge, in uh, Inglewood, California, hearing delinquency cases. Um, We worked together before that, and we're working together right now, and I'm going to bring her on. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm good. Good. Thank you for calling in this morning. I wanted to ask you a couple questions uh, that might help our listeners. Um, from your perspective, I, I know we practice law together, and uh, I also know we practice law quite differently sometimes. Uh, and uh, more times than not, you're more correct about situations than I am. So I want to ask you something. What would you advise our listeners to do if they've gone through the juvenile court process and have not had their kids returned at the disposition hearing, and the case has continued for six months. For the six months, um, part of the part of the last part of your question broke up, and I didn't hear it. Can you repeat just the last part? Sure. I was asking you to tell our listeners what they should do. Um, if they lost their children at the disposition hearing and their case has been uh, continued to the six-month hearing pursuant to 366.21E? Um, the first thing I would uh, advise them to do is make sure that um, they have a copy of the court-ordered case plan that uh, was discussed in court at the disposition hearing um, I know in L.A. County, every um, parent is given a copy of that case plan. Uh, in other counties, they do the same thing. Um, they have it written down for the parents. Uh, if, they, if the parent doesn't have it, they should get it immediately because that is the key to what's going to help them get their uh, children back because they will not get their children back until those orders uh, the case plan is um, followed. 
so they need to get a, have a copy of the case plan, make sure they understand the um, what it is that they're supposed to do, and then begin immediately begin the pro uh, participating in the programs, whether it's uh, drug counseling and testing, a parenting class, individual counseling, um, or domestic violence counseling, whatever it is, um, they need to get into it immediately. Um, the social worker is supposed to help them do that by giving them a list of referrals for places um, if they have an issue with cost, it's supposed to be low cost or no cost referrals uh, in their area. Um, so you have to get get on um, get proactive and call the the uh, referrals and um, set the um, set up appointments and get in and start the counseling immediately. You know, do you advise parents to start the counseling and parenting even before they have a trial in this case? I actually do for for. Uh, more times than not, uh, the majority of the time, I will advise the, the parents to um, get started. And the reason is, um, I'm sure you probably talked about this before on the show, the burden of proof that um, is necessary to prove a um, petition is very low. So the, the chance that um, something in the petition one of the allegations in the petition will get sustained is pretty high, um, so that there's a you know there's a chance that you they are going to have a dependency case of some kind. So if they start um, the programs before the disposition, they are ahead of the game and um, can complete the programs hopefully before the six month date, and then make a request. Uh, before the six-month date to have their children returned. You know, sometimes when you start the programs early, uh, even before the disposition, you can use that evidence at the disposition to get the children so you don't have to wait six months. Do you agree with that? that yes, that's absolutely correct. Um, because um, the issue is um, at the time of the disposition, whatever day the he that hearing is on, whether there is a substantial risk of detriment and uh, requiring the children to be removed from the parent's home. So um, if you're already in the pro if they're already in the programs uh, and they're making progress in their, their programs, it's harder at that point to show um, that there's a substantial risk. And the important part um, Another important reason to get started ahead of time is, I know you've also mentioned this before, the, the burden of proof at a disposition hearing to remove a child from a parent is higher. So it's harder to remove the child from the parent. Um, so, if, so if you have them set up in the programs and they're doing what they're supposed to do, um, that it's more difficult for CPS uh, to prove to meet that burden. You know, a lot of clients ask me or they're hesitant to start the parenting class or the counseling or the drug testing or the drug rehabilitation course or the individual counseling because they feel that it is an admission to the judge or to the social worker that the allegations are true. What do you say about that? Um, it, 
It's not. It, it is a um, and it, what it shows is a willingness to cooperate and um, participate and do what's necessary to have uh, to make your uh, your home a safe place for your child or to get your children back. It um, they cannot use the fact that you're in a program. They meaning CPS cannot use the fact that you're in a program against you to say, see, um, they, they do have a drug problem because they're in a program. Because the, the court orders, um, the generally orders at the arraignment and detention hearing, orders the department to assist the parents in programs, in finding programs uh, to alleviate the need for removal of the child or to assist with return of the child. Um, and that, um, because that's a court order, uh, and a statute, it can't, that can't be used against them. Very good, very good. Okay, hold on, Stephanie. I'm going to take a call right now. Uh, the area code is 323, and the number ends in 04. Good morning. You're on with attorneys Stephanie Davis and Vince Davis. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. How are you guys doing today? Um I'm thanking you guys for letting me be on your show. This is my name is Paige, and I know both of you guys pretty good, and you guys really helped me so much. I'd like to tell my story. Okay, go ahead and share your story with us. Um, I was in a relationship a while back and uh, found out that <clears throat> I had three more beautiful children, and the children were already in the system when I got my um, DNA test back, and I found out that they were my children. I'm a biological father, and it's been almost a year, and they still haven't even made any decisions or made any progress on my case. It's been a long year. I can't touch the children, or they deny me even to even visitations. And I'm a good guy, and I've been um, trying to get visitations, but it's just it's been a long, torturous year. I don't understand how the the social workers and judges um, make decisions like this when I'm a parent here and I have room for all of my children and um, there's no drugs or no allegations or no criminal behavior. I'm a pretty good dad. I like to toot my own horn a little bit. Um, I've raised other children already, and I still haven't seen or touched my own children, and it's been a year, and all they do is keep continuing the cases and keep continuing and continuing, and it's very frustrating, and all I want to do is provide a home for my beautiful kids. <clears throat> What's your experience been like with the social worker on your case? And my experience uh, with the social worker has been a, pretty much a nightmare. Before I took the DNA test, I was trying to call the social worker and uh, for about a period of six months, just trying to call the social worker and leave messages and say that, hey, I'm, I, I think the kids are mine. I need a DNA test. Then, then she never returned one of my phone calls. And almost to this day, I've only talked to that, that social worker twice. And it's been a complete nightmare. She, She's uh, uh, the mother of my children. She's told, you know, several untruths and and just basically become like, you know, a wall, a stone wall, uh, um, like she has a hidden agenda or something like that uh, against me and the mother of my children. <clears throat> you know, pretty um, much let me uh let me just interject uh just for a moment because uh Paige's situation is um not unfamiliar unfortunately 
when um, mothers come into dependency court, a lot of times they don't let the person that they know to be the actual father of the child to let them know about the, the dependency case for lots of reasons. Everybody ha may have their own reason, but I know one uh, reason in particular is because that if that person comes in and claims themselves to be the father um, and they're identified as what's called the presumed father, then they have a, a right to ask for custody of those children. And so a lot of women are afraid that if they name a father or if they name someone that they're going to end up losing their children to that father and so they don't do it or they name someone else that they know who is not the father and get someone else involved. Um, so it's it, it's not an uncommon situation, unfortunately, when um, mothers are the ones who have the actual knowledge um, of who the, the uh, biological uh, father is. Um, but there, uh, people like uh, Paige have rights that ha they have to exert in court as soon as they become aware that they have uh, that they may have some children uh, in in the dependency system. So they have to um, get into court as soon as possible to uh, stand up for their rights and say that that uh, they believe that they are the bio the biological father and have a test and then. Uh, try to get a higher status, the highest status, which is called presumed father, which allows that person to have reunification services and try to get those children back. So there's a whole area of law that is involved in just this type of situation uh, with presumed fatherhood and the rights of presumed fathers. Paige, I want to thank you for your call and sharing your story with us. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. You guys have a great and blessed day. You too. Thank you. Stephanie, you know, you bring up this presumed father status. Um, it hasn't really happened in Los Angeles County, but it's happening in other counties, and I see it in cases, and, I, and I'm just waiting for it to happen in Los Angeles. You know what's happening? Um, let me give you the scenario. Uh there is a father and there is a mother. They don't live together. And they're either divorced or they never were married. And mother has a new boyfriend or even a new husband who's been helping raise the children. In the old days, when you went to juvenile dependency court, that new stepfather slash boyfriend didn't have any standing in the case. But I think in January of 2015, there was a new law that passed, um, and it really didn't have anything to do with juvenile dependency. It says that now children in California can have more than two parents. So what's happening in juvenile cases is that stepfather or the stepmother or the slash boyfriend or slash girlfriend, they're making motions in the court to be declared the presumed, a presumed father. So I was involved in a case in San Diego recently where we had a mother and two presumed fathers, one of them being the bio father and one of them being the mother's new husband. And there had to be a whole trial regarding this presumed father status before we even got to the jurisdiction and dispositional hearing. 
What do you think of that? I actually had the same kind of case, and it was in Los Angeles, actually, L.A. County. And we we did um, – we represented um, the mother, but there was a biological father um, and then a the uh, father who um, – who the the mother had another child with, and they were living together at the time that the uh, incident that brought them to DCFS occurred, and um, the there was a battle um, between the the two fathers. Um, both of them were alleging uh, to be the presumed father of the uh, the the other child. Uh, and we we it took quite a while. We went. We everyone did briefing. They briefed the issue for the the court, and um, there was argument, and there was hearings, and uh, ultimately, um, the judge determined that the child had two uh, presumed fathers, and it created um, it creates quite quite a uh, a situation. Um, there was had to be shared custody. I mean, there was. I'm sorry, there was shared visitation, uh, and then ultimately, when the case uh, ended up closing, um, there was a shared custody, so that each uh, presumed father had uh, had to work out Father's Day and all the other holidays, and uh, and then the two households had to. Uh, figure out how to share uh, the uh, holidays uh, amongst themselves with the child. So it becomes extremely complicated. Yes, yes, yes. I think the floodgates are about to open in California Juvenile Dependency Court with respect to these presumed father or presumed mother uh, cases. But I just wanted to let our, our listeners know that those things and those issues are out there. And when you talk to your attorney, Make sure you bring those issues up because it might be something that can help you. It might be something that could hurt you, and you need to know what your rights are. At this time, I'm going to take another telephone call. We have area code 415 up in the Bay Area, ending in the number 58. Good morning. You're on the radio with attorneys Stephanie Davis and Vincent Davis. Good morning. Okay, maybe our listener is not listening at the present time. I'm going to take another call. Um, it's area code 661, ending in 27. Good morning. You're on the radio with attorney Vincent Davis and Stephanie Davis. Hello. Please turn off your radio. Hello. Good morning. Who are we speaking to? Uh, Albert. Albert, I can hear an echo of our show. Could you turn off your radio? Yes. Give me one second. Hello? Yes, Albert, would you like to share a story or ask a question? I, have, I, I want to ask a question. 
okay, if my parental rights are about to be terminated, um, how how would okay okay I, I'm, what I'm trying to get at is is I have a, I have a friend who's going uh, through she, her she just got <clears throat> excuse me her custody back with her kids would 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 she be would it be good to use her as a as a um, mon, like for monitored visit? Um, yes, I mean you should use anybody and everybody you can for your monitored visits. But you you initially said your parental rights are about to be terminated. There are some things that you should do to try to stop that. Right. Okay. Um, what county are you in? Uh, Los Angeles. Okay. Is your case in Monterey Park or in Lancaster? Uh, Monterey Park. Okay. So what you should do is you should call your attorney and talk to your attorney about strategies that can stop the termination of your parental rights. One big strategy that we use a lot is to file a 388. Another strategy is if the child is with foster parents, you can file a motion or a 388 to try to move the child to relatives. You may have been, you may have waited too late though if, if your rights are about to be terminated. So that's why I tell our listeners at the very beginning of the case, do everything possible with your attorney to get the child placed or get the children placed with friendly relatives. And in helping you do that, you should look at and talk to your attorney about California Welfare and Institutions Code, Section 309. And you should read that and you should talk to your attorney about that to see how it can help you. Okay. Any other questions you had for us this morning? Yes, I have one more question. Okay, um, my the one of the foster parents is uh, she works for DCFS Mental Health Office. Is that isn't that like a conflict of interest? Sounds like it to me, but you would have to talk to your attorney about the details about whether it's a conflict of interest. In some cases, it can be. In some cases, it's not going to be. But you know, from the face of it, there's some type of appearance of impropriety in my opinion. Now, there are a lot of people that won't agree with me, but that's just my opinion. But that's something that you should have talked to your social worker or talked to your social worker, um, not your social worker, your attorney, as soon as possible. Thank you for your call this morning. Go ahead. Uh, I did, you know what, I did bring it up to the judge, and you know what the judge told me? She actually yelled at me. She said, um, she said, what do you want me to do? Get her, you want me to have her fired? I was like, whoa, okay. That, well, was, her, that was her exact answer. Okay, did you, had you talked to your attorney about this before you brought it up to the judge? Yes, and um, I, my, 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 state appoint, my, my state appointed attorney and I weren't seeing eye to eye, and I kept telling her what to, to, what to ask the judge or what to tell the judge, and she just wasn't saying it. So then that's when I that's when I spoke up and that was her answer. There's probably a better way to bring it up before the judge and that's by way of a motion. Um but that's okay. something you're going to have to talk to your attorney about if your state okay. appointed or court appointed attorney is not assisting you, you might want to ask for another court appointed attorney or consider hiring a private attorney. Okay. Thank you for your right. call. I I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. 
I'm going to have to apologize for all of the um, listeners who are still on hold waiting to get in. We're um, about to run out of time, and there's some uh, things that I have to discuss before the show ends this morning. I want to reiterate that if you have a juvenile dependency case, you must get experienced and expert legal representation. You must work with your court-appointed or your private attorney. Um, If necessary, if you still have questions, you can always call us for a second opinion. The second thing you must do is you must get the necessary information that you need to assist you and your attorney in this case. You can get that information by down, downloading our free ebook at our website. You can get that information by meeting with your attorney and actually strategizing and discussing your case before each court hearing. And if you can't meet with the attorney, do it by phone or by Skype or by email. But you have to communicate with your attorney. The next thing that you can do is you can, to get educated, you could come to one of our live seminars. Uh, We do a live seminar every month, uh, once a month. And in February, it's going to be uh, February 27th in uh, Arcadia, I believe at the Embassy Suites Hotel. So consider coming to that live seminar. We give you a lot of free resources. We give you the hardcover copy of the book. We give you the a couple DVDs for you to watch to assist you and to uh, give you more information where you can help and assist your attorney. Uh, You can also listen to this radio show every Saturday at um, 8 a.m. There are replays of this radio and this radio show, and you can also listen to it on demand at our website, talkradioexperts.com. The last thing, The last thing that I want to mention is what I mentioned, and I'm becoming more and more proponent of this. Please register to vote and vote. You can Google whatever county you're in, the the county register. I believe you can register online or by mail. And when it comes time for the elections, and all the elections you'll see on the county websites will show you when the elections are. You go out, you vote. And you vote to make change. We should organize, get together. We should change the laws that are not fair towards families in these juvenile cases. We should make social workers accountable at the ballot box. And we should elect judges who are family friendly. That's all I have today. We will see you next week on Talk Radio. Thank you. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.